This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back. Welcome back to Wharton Moneyball. Two hours of sports analytics every Wednesday morning. Some combination of us are here. This morning it's Shane, Eric, and Cade. You can join the conversation. Give us a ring, 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. Music from sound engineer Danielle Bruno. I understand it's Danielle's birthday today. Second birthday shout-out. Happy birthday to you, Danielle. Couldn't do this show without you, as we demonstrated a couple weeks ago, by the way. <laughs> uh, we're, we're just off of an open lines conversation. We covered World Series, Game 7 a little bit, College Football Playoff Committee. We're going to come back to some of that stuff in the last half hour of the show, certainly football, probably a little ba- baseball. But in the next half hour, we have a guest segment, as we usually do, and delightfully, our guest is in studio. Ben Falk is here. Ben Falk is here in the flesh. Ben is the owner of CleaningTheGlass.com. CleaningTheGlass.com is a subscription service. Falk runs providing stats, NBA stats, research and analytical articles about basketball. Before his entrepreneurial stint there, he was VP of Basketball Strategy with the Sixers here in Philly. And before that, Basketball Analytics Manager with the Trailblazers. Ben, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us, man. Glad to see you. Tell us a little bit about how you got going. Before we know, before we hear about what you're doing now, how, how did you even get going? So you, you, you've had two jobs here that a lot of folks in the analytics community would kill for, working with teams. So your first position was with the Trailblazers? How, how, how'd that happen? Yes, yeah, so there's. I can back up and tell a little bit of a longer story. I mean, the the short answer is right place, right time, mm-hmm. um, which I think is true for a lot of this these kind of situations. Yep. Um, but essentially, uh, when I was in high school, I got I was really into fantasy basketball, mm-hmm. and the problem for me was that it just wasn't real enough. Right? It was it was a little bit too fake. It wasn't what it was like to be a general manager, and so I decided I wanted to change that. Uh, so I made. I decided I wanted to make a new game, right? A fantasy basketball game that was more realistic. Okay. And to do that, I had to learn how to make a website, and I had to learn how to get basketball stats, and I had to learn how to store those stats and display those stats and analyze those stats. And you're like 16, and you're <laughs> right? So yeah. Geez. So I started okay. down that path. So I taught myself, you know, how to make a website. I taught myself some computer programming, and you start going down that path and pretty soon you realize those are the skills that you use in a job for a team. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I had in the process of trying to make that game more realistic and better, I had stumbled on a listserv uh, that was a basketball analytics listserv that had all the leaders of the field uh, at that time in it. So Dean Oliver and Roland Beach and John Hollinger and Kevin Pelton. Jeez. You know, none of them had jobs at that point. It was still pretty new. What year are we talking about? Um, so this would be in around like 2003. Wow, this is the beginning. Of, those were the, the guys that created it. That's amazing. Right. Okay, it, Exactly. And so you know they were all just talking amongst each other, yeah. trying to figure this out. And so I was lucky enough to find that, and I just paid attention, read, asked some questions for a while, eventually started contributing. Um, by the time I was a freshman in college, Dean Oliver had been uh, – he had worked first for the Seattle Supersonics, and at this time he was with the Denver Nuggets – um, and so at, at one point he just posted on there, I'm looking for an intern. Mm-hmm. So I saw that and immediately wrote to him mm-hmm. and say, I'll be your intern. And he said, well, I can't pay you. I said, that's fine. <laughs> so um, I ended up volunteering for him through the summer. And at the end of the summer, 
he said, okay, well, I guess the school year's starting. You probably have to go back to your schoolwork. And for me, my foot was in the door, and I was not, you know, it was open a crack. I was not giving that up. And so I said, I'll keep working through the school year. So mm-hmm. I, I kept working for him. Where were you in school? So I was at University of Maryland. Okay. Um, and so I kept working for him until uh, my beginning of my junior year when the Trailblazers called him, and they were looking for somebody uh, to work part-time uh, for them. And he gave him my name. I interviewed, and they hired me part-time for – my last years of college, and then when I graduated, I moved out there and worked full time. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that's you know, it, it, it's 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 stunning to me how similar so many of those stories are. You know, I think they're very low probability events in any given person's life, but there's a definitely a theme. At least in this generation of analysts, there's a theme, and it always involves the internet. By the way, there's <laughs> right. like blogging and community and people just doing the work. They're guys that are just like putting work out there, and it gets people's attention. Right. For oh. sure. And I'll just say, you know, when I say right place, right time, that's a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's I think it's a chapter in uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, that mm-hmm. always stood out to me when he says, if you look at some measure of the richest people of all time, um, that like five of the top 10 came from the same decade in the same place, which was born, I think, somewhere around like 1840s America, mm-hmm. because they came of age at the perfect confluence of mm-hmm. events mm-hmm. where you know, the Industrial Revolution was taking off, but a laissez-faire government. And so you had this situation that was perfectly ripe for Mm -hmm. incredible wealth. And I think about that a lot when I think about my situation. How does somebody like me get into the NBA? And a lot of it is this perfect storm of the Mm -hmm. world changing more towards data, computing power rising, but also at the right time in my life Mm -hmm. where I could, you know, I had time being in high school and college to explore these things. I was in college so I could volunteer. I didn't have to take a paying job. And it kind of all just came together that's such a that's out. such a wise and humble attribution. That sounds exactly right, and and it seems unusual to have people with that perspective. That's great. So yeah, Ben, as a parent of a seventeen year old that's very similarly interested in such things, how does somebody? You said the right time. How does now twelve, fifteen years later, this happen for someone? Because as you know, the level of sophistication's gone up. There may be thousands of Ben Falks out there now. I'm being generous when I say only thousands of people that are basically using R and Python and you know scraping data from the web and you know building their own fantasy teams. What would you recommend to those, you know, we have lots of listeners and maybe high school students that love sports and business and statistics. What would you recommend to them to kind of get their name out there? And, and, and has the skill set changed any from what you kind of developed 12 to 15 years ago to what you would expect someone to know today? So I think the skill set has certainly changed. Um, I, I think, like you said, the level of sophistication has grown. I, I still think you know, maybe this is just me uh, you know, anchoring to my own story a little bit too much, but I still think that that same uh, recipe works, which is that follow a passion and do the work. So the advice I tend to give to people is I say do the job before you have the job. Mm-hmm. I th- when I was with both the Blazers and the Sixers, I'd get a lot of people – uh, writing me asking for opportunities, and I'd ask for any kind of demonstration of their work, and they didn't have it. And, and sometimes that's understandable if you're working, you know, a full-time job and you have other responsibilities. And, and that's kind of what I alluded to before. It, it helped that I had some free time, um, but it's the the best way to get your foot in the door is to have done the work already, gained meaningful experience, and have a demonstrable product that you can show teams, uh, which lets them be able to see, okay, this is the kind of work, this is the value that they can add to our franchise and our decision-making operation. Yeah, that seems the more actionable part of your life story, <laughs> for lack of a better term, is that, is that? yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, right play, the, the timing of it was hugely important, and that's a little bit less 
under somebody's personal control. But what is under somebody's personal control is you have this – you build up this portfolio of the type of work you would like to spend your time doing mm-hmm. as a profession. And then that, that having that portfolio in hand makes it easier to actually get – that same job. And, mm-hmm. and I will say that's one of the beauties of the internet is that work can get out there very yeah. easily. So if you do a good job... You have a vehicle for disseminating. Exactly. And, and we there were a number of times, again, at both teams where you'd see someone, like some work would, would go around on social media or something and you'd be like, oh, that's really good. Mm-hmm. And you'd immediately, we'd, we'd reach out to them. They mm-hmm. wouldn't have to reach out to us. We'd go after them and say, hey, are you interested in an internship? Are you interested in part-time or anything like that? Mm-hmm. We're talking to Ben Falk. Ben is the owner of CleaningTheGlass.com, a subscription service that provides stats, NBA stats, and research and analysis. He's also a former VP of basketball strategy with the Sixers and worked analytics with the Trailblazers as well. Ben's in the studio with us, delightfully. Ben, being Philadelphia and being such an interesting case um, of analytics, can you tell us about your experience with the Sixers? How much of it overlapped with Sam Hinkie's regime? So uh, Sam is the one who hired me. Um, So he had started in 2014 or 2013 and hired me in 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, And so then I was there until he left um, and then uh, left a few months after that. Okay, so he he put together a team. My impression is like 10, 10, 12 people. He had PhDs from various disciplines. I mean, it was just kind of this crazy group, almost a R&D group that you just don't see in sports. Right. So, I mean, Sam very much valued a different kind of thinking and having different backgrounds. Um, and for sure, we had a, a variety of a diversity of background and opinion there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without discussing necessarily specific instances, can you just tell us how wide ranging the problems you were looking at? Because one could say, well, player evaluation is one. You could also say, you know, contract value is another. You could say on the court play is another. I did some work as People, our listeners know what the Eagles, and I know where our boundaries were. You know, Andy Reid was the coach at the time, and while we might provide suggestions for in-game, we weren't really focusing on in-game stuff. How, can you just tell us at least the range of problems that you guys were thinking about? So I think it's as wide as you could imagine. Um, I mean, that was one of the beauties uh, working for Sam is that he it was about a method of thought more than anything, and that method of thought could be applied to any problem that you faced in basketball operations. Um, so everything that you named, uh, we were thinking about and trying to figure out how do we how do we shift the odds slightly in our favor. Ben, what's your postmortem on what Hinky was trying to do there and what he did do, what you guys did collectively? Uh, from our perspective, well, what's your take? I mean, what 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 do you think went well? What do you think maybe didn't go well? If you were to do it again, or if you were yeah, to advise it, the next what would Hinkie? you recommend a team kind of take that road? You know, in the future. And let, let, let me give you a little context. Mm-hmm. We. A, love Sam Hinkie, and I mean, personally and professionally. Um, and B, we, you know, things might have been done a little differently that would have, you know, kept him around or maybe helped things. So we think we can speak pretty freely and openly while still respecting the guy. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I think that one of the nice things about this point in time is that we're starting to see kind of the fruits of what mm-hmm. we did mm-hmm. or, or what we did bear fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the city is very excited about a young team that's on the way up. Um, I'm sure, as you all are aware, you don't want the results to inform your opinion of the process, yep. no pun intended. Um, and so, you know, maybe that gets put to the side. Uh, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, this was obviously an extreme path that we took mm-hmm. um, because it was an extreme goal. And so it's 
very difficult to achieve. You know, if your goal is to win a championship or to consistently compete for a championship, it's very, very difficult to get into that group. You need a lot of luck. Um, and so, again, it was how do you shift the odds in your favor? And sometimes the best way to do that is to take an unconventional path. Mm-hmm. Um, and so no matter what that was going to uh, engender some element of controversy just because it's unconventional, um, I think that there are there are probably things that could have been done maybe from a PR standpoint and a media standpoint that would have made it slightly more palatable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's a larger story here both about the path we took and the person who Sam was and the way that the media and the general basketball world reacted to that, mm-hmm. which I think was potentially, you know, the things we did personally, I believe, were a little bit blown out of proportion um, and might not have been uh, reacted to the same way if Sam were a different person. Well, what's the takeaway there for the analytics community? So that, I mean, that's an extreme high-profile version, but analysts all over the world and all kinds of organizations are fighting this battle to some extent. It's like, how can we get more evidence-based um, more of an evidence base in for our decisions, which are often intuitive or political. And they have to navigate some of the same things that Sam had to navigate. What do you think the takeaways are for the analytics community? And, and it could be positive or negative because, again, we don't want to, like you said, we don't want to overreact outcomes. So Sam didn't last. They, 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 they fired him in the, you know, in the end before he could see the, this thing through. But we don't want to overreact to that. What do you think the takeaways are? So I think there's two things here. One is the specific situation with Sam and the Sixers wasn't just a matter of analytics. It wasn't that uh, you know ownership was done with analytics, and that's why they got rid of Sam. Um, that's good to hear. <laughs> right. Um, I think that, it, like I say, I think part of this was this kind of firestorm that enveloped Sam, um, and part of that was who he was, um, and then that was exacerbated by the path that was chosen. Um, so I think that there, <laughs> Sam and I would talk often about what I would call the metagame, right? Which is um, there's the game itself that you might be able to optimize, but there's this game outside the game, right? <laughs> Which uh, is important to optimize as well. Really, that's that's all that matters. You're talking about the PR and, and, and the various sort of like so, aspects of r- essentially – selling an unconventional strategy to others. Right, and that impacts the chance that your strategy works. That's kind of my point. So I think in a vacuum, we'd say if we were playing a video game, what would you do, right, where you don't have to deal with that other stuff? And so there might be an optimal strategy within that video game, but there is this metagame outside of that, right, Um, which impacts the probability of that succeeding. So, Ben, as you've uh, talked, one of the things I was always thinking about, I know how much we maybe could have done more with the Eagles on this, but I'd be interested in the Sixers. How much did you spend time thinking about the optimal strategies of other teams? You know, I always claim one of the things I don't think, I'll pick myself, I don't think I do as well as a professor here at Wharton as I could, is teaching my students about game theory. And, you know, you can do myopic optimization based on this would be best for the Sixers, but what about the teams around them? So how much did you guys think or even build statistical models of what other teams might do? 
Do you mean from a front office decision-making standpoint or an on-court decision-making standpoint? It's a good question. I was referring more from a front office point of view, as in, you know, a draft is coming up. Who might they pick? Who might be available? But if you'd like also from a, you know, if this is that team's composition and we want to win, we want to win a championship, I'll put this way. We have to be better than whoever LeBron James and whoever's likely to be around him. And if we don't know, if we can't model who that's going to be, it's hard for us to know what it would take to get better than the Cleveland Cavaliers. So I don't know how much uh, we did that quantitatively, but for sure we talked about it a lot. Um, like you say, you have to always be reacting to who your op- your competition is. Um, and so that, you know, when I say something like it's really hard to win a championship, that's, again, you're not just trying to be good in a vacuum. You're trying to be good relative to everybody else. So we're talking to Ben Falk. Ben is owner of cleaningtheglass.com. He's also former VP of basketball strategy with the Sixers. Ben, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? So you, you left shortly after Sam left with the Sixers, and you've started, you've started this site, cleaningtheglass.com. Tell us about the site and how it's gone for the last couple of years. Yeah, so when I left, I thought about what I wanted to do, and, and one of the things that I felt was that I wanted to share a lot of what I had learned uh, when I was inside the league. Um, and so I started cleaningtheglass.com, and I started writing um, just from my perspective, from having been in the league, from – talking from an analytical perspective and looking at psychological biases and how all of that impacts what goes on in the front office and on the court. Um, And so recently at the start of the season, I started a subscription service on that site with uh, extra articles and videos breaking down the NBA in a really in-depth level. And then I built a whole stats site um, with the emphasis of that site being to take advanced stats and make them a little bit more easy to digest, a little bit more easy to communicate. Can you give us an example of a stat in the NBA that you're trying to make easier di- to digest or more, or, or you're trying to evangelize because maybe the common fan doesn't appreciate it in the way that you do? So I, I think you know we can start one of the uh, most basic stats, um, but that's really powerful, is looking at the NBA from a possession perspective as opposed to just a per-game perspective. So I think a lot of fans and a lot of the media, when they talk about teams, they say this team ranks second in points per game, Right. Um, so this was a, a something that Dean Oliver came up with years ago and kind of changed the framework uh, through which you analyze basketball was to say, well, let's look at two teams, right? They might play at different paces. And so the analogy I always use is to say, okay, imagine every team in the East played a 48-minute game and every team in the West played a 24-minute game. Everyone would say, well, that's foolish to look at points per game, mm-hmm. right? They're playing different games. If they play each other, they have to play the same minutes, mm-hmm. right? So h- how do you evaluate who's, t- who's good on offense and who's good on defense? It's the same thing with pace. They play different possessions in different games, but if you define a possession as starting when you get the ball and ending when you lose the ball, then in a game itself, when two teams are playing each other, they're basically guaranteed the same number of possessions. Mm -hmm. So everything should be evaluated on a per-possession basis as opposed to a per-game basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then teams... Teams, some teams are better at ending those possessions in unorthodox ways. So teams with good defense or blocks or interfering in the passing lanes or whatever. Those, that's a, a way of getting more, more possessions in a way, that, in more complete possessions. So using that framework, what you're trying to do is maximize the number of points you're scoring per possession of your own mm-hmm. and minimize your opponent's mm-hmm. uh, per possession. And so, right, so then there are these various ways that you can break down and say, how do you do that? And so this is kind of Dean Oliver's four Mm -hmm. factors framework, Mm -hmm. which is to say you can increase it by shooting. You can be more efficient on the shots that you take. You can turn the ball over less. You can offensive rebound more and continue the possession. Mm -hmm. And you can uh, get score from the foul line. Ben, 
we've only, we're down to a couple of minutes. We have to get your perspective on what's going on in the league this year. So, especially given you know the way you look at basketball, how do you think that year is going to play out? And just, is there what are the chances that it's not just Warriors again? Warriors in four, Warriors in five, Warriors against Cavs in the final. I mean, so it's to me, it's very interesting to say how did the Warriors become so good. It's less interesting to speculate. Yeah. I mean, they are just head and shoulders above the rest of the league. Yeah. And if there's an injury, things could open up, and it becomes very interesting. But right now, they're just at Well, let's take level. it down a notch then to the other rivals in the West. Thunder versus Rockets. Someone else? Spurs. 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 Okay. The Spurs always have to be in that conversation. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that there are these teams that can compete. Um, they're... What's been so interesting about the NBA is you have these teams pushing all in, knowing that if that window is cracked open a little, they want to be the ones that get through it. Which is the better experiment, Anthony in the with the Thunder or CP3 with the Rockets? Who's I mean, I, I think Carmelo Anthony with the Thunder is more interesting to me. I think CP3 with the Rockets should work perfectly fine. Okay, wonderful. All right, well, Ben, thanks for coming by today. We could talk with you for the next hour. Um, hopefully that means that you'll swing by again. But thanks, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. That was Ben Falk. Ben is owner and creator of CleaningTheGlass.com. You can also catch him on Twitter, Ben C. Falk, at Ben C. Falk. And he uh, formerly served as VP of Basketball Strategy for the Sixers in the Sam Hickey regime. And before that, his first job in the NBA, basketball analytics manager with the Trailblazers. That has been the first half of the show. We still have half to go. Come back and join us after the break. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.